weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A big election day. The world looks pretty much the same today, but maybe the election was involved in changes. Who knows? I know that I've got to call my friend Robert Zimmerman, who's a Democratic National Committee man, a TV commentator, a journalist, a reporter, a marketing. I can't, if, if I have to read all his credits, it's going to take us all please, day. Please, it'll, bore, it'll be boring to, it's boring to me. Don't read it, it'll bore your, bore your listeners. <laughs> no, but it it's really is interesting how you combine politics, journalism, well, and in a way that's really very positive. You cover well, you. all bases, and well, I think I do, that's pretty impressive. I do, you know, television, uh, political commentary and analysis, and of course, I've been a Democratic National Committee person for very for for many years. But you know, it's, I've always done that independently. I do that as part of my volunteerism. It's a mission in my life. My firm now is in its thirty fourth year. ZE Creative Communications. We're a marketing, advertising, public uh, public information, public relations firm, and uh, very, you know, very. Having having that that business experience is so important when you talk about the issues that are in front of us today. And from your perspective, does this election signify anything major, or is this as expected? Well, it's, oh, it's a very it's a very significant election. You know, it's sort of in many ways it's considered an off year election. I don't believe any election is an off year election. Every election day is important. It's a celebration of our democracy, and it's critical to our future every election, whether it's for city council, whether it's for, for the president. But a lot of eyebrows were raised, and a lot of people were stunned by the, by the results of the election that took place just this past Tuesday. Because here you had Kentucky Democratic Governor Andy Bescher uh, turning aside a challenger from – this turning aside a, a Republican challenger who was endorsed by Donald Trump. Now, Andy Bescher is a – uh, certainly highly respected as a mainstream thinking person, a, a solution-oriented governor. He's also a governor from Kentucky who supports gun safety legislation, which makes him very unique. And a lot of people are focusing on him as a potential presidential candidate. And in Ohio, which is certainly another red-leaning state like Kentucky, um, there was a very strong vote in favor of abortion rights, and it passed by a large margin. Uh, the legislation was designed to enshrine um, the right to abortion into the state constitution. Uh, and that was, of course, very significant since the U.S. Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision overturned Roe v. Wade and abolished it, essentially. So that got a lot of attention, of course. And in Virginia, uh, the very popular Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, who people thought might be a presidential choice, he saw basically a, a rebellion in the state where uh, the Democrats swept the state, state House of Delegates and the state Senate. And now you have a Democratic-controlled state legislature. And I think what it's coming down to, Joe, when you look at it, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, people are looking for mainstream thinking, mainstream solutions, and are rejecting the extremes, whether it's the extremes that we saw from the Trump era, what the Trump presidency represented, or the extremes you're seeing Democrats reject from the squad. But you saw the movement to censure, um, to censure Rashid Tlaib. Uh, and I think that's an important measure, too. People are standing up against divisive rhetoric, hateful language, 
and I think it's a very it's a very important time that we focus on it. So I think that's encouraging. And you're seeing more bipartisanship going on. Uh, for example, recently there was a bipartisan movement in the House of Representatives to go after uh, uh, redesignate an organization in Yemen called Houthis and make them, in fact, a terrorist organization because they're launching attacks on Israel from Yemen. And you're seeing more and more bipartisanship come together. For example, 400 House members and I think 98 senators voted for legislation and, and referendums and supported the state of Israel as they're facing attack. So I think it's important to see that when we, that when we stand together to the extremes, we bring the country together. Well, in talking about standing together, how was the turnout, as expected or low? Look, the turnout in New York was inexcusably low, terribly Yeah, low. I don't get that. Do you? Uh, let me tell you something. I wish I had an answer. Uh, I think people just don't focus on This is not unique. Local elections, we've had this problem in New York for the longest time, uh, where we have uh, people not turning out and participating. I think it may be a reflection of their lack of confidence, perhaps, in the political system. It might reflect, in fact, that they take their government for granted. Uh, and that's a real problem, because if we want to see much more aggressive stands dealing with public safety and support of our, and support of our police, if we want to see uh, greater, uh, greater measures taken to, to toughen the bail reform laws and modify what the state legislature did to give judges more discretion in bail reform, we've got to participate and have our voices heard. Because if we don't vote, we leave it to the extremes from the right and the left to vote. And they will determine the election results if we don't participate. Well, this election, because to many people, there weren't enough candidates of note. I thought that might be a factor in. Well, you know, the offices were, you know, a local race does not get the attention of a presidential race right. or a gubernatorial race. And that's a problem. That's really a problem. The media doesn't often highlight the candidates and the issues running as aggressively as they do in a statewide race or a presidential race where you've got marquee candidates and, you know, big marquee names that get attention. And that's unfortunate. That's a real, that's a real problem. But I have to tell you, it's such a critical time in my view to stand up because we're seeing not just around the world, but our own country and our college campuses an, out, an outgrowth of extremism, anti-Semitism, and such misinformation and hate for focusing against the Jewish community, focusing against the state of Israel. So it's all the more reason that we have to participate and have our voices heard and stand up to it. Because I'll tell you something, and it's true, if we do not participate, the extremes always come out to vote. The far right and the far left are always motivated to participate. And they, they turn out. And if we don't come out and drown out their voices, they're going to control the political process. We have to be very clear in our statements. You know, in our, in our involvement. Do you, well, we talked a little bit about the comprehension of what's going on, but what turned on this hate at such a level that it's almost deafening? You know, I, as, as horrifying as I see the hate that exists in our college campuses and in our streets of our city here in New York and around our nation and the world, the hate against the Jewish community, I have been so inspired by literally the rallies taking place several times a week that I am involved with on Long Island and Queens, and we see around other parts of the country in support of the state of Israel, 
in standing up to hate and anti-Semitism. I think that's really important that we see people coming together and making that statement. But, you know, it's always been, under, it's always been an undercurrent. Uh, white supremacy, bigotry, um, uh, Islamophobia, has, and also anti-Semitism. It's always, it's always been there in our society. And it took the vicious attack by Hamas on Israel to, in fact, uh, unleash this kind of hate. And I think that's what, uh, uh, that's what I think is so, um, so concerning to all of us, as horrible and vicious and demonic as the attack was by Hamas on Israeli children and young people, uh, elderly people, a Holocaust survivor for that matter, as vile as their conduct was, uh, it's compounded by the, by the type of anti-Semitism we're seeing around the world, where I hear from many young people where they feel frightened about, their, about being on campus. And you have to wonder about how these professors are allowed to, to engage in hate speech. That is not legitimate free speech. And what we are doing as taxpayers when we see this kind of behavior in the CUNY campuses, our city campuses, or the state university system, we have to be there to make sure that the information is out there, it's accurate, and we stand for the kind of hateful rhetoric that could obviously leads to violence, leads to bigotry and prejudice, and is uh, so destructive to our society. Do you sense a real reaction to this? You know, I think people are waking up to realize just how virulent anti-Semitism is, just how prevalent it is. Because, you know, it was always under the radar. But now see, people see it, and I think they're standing up and standing together in strong opposition to it. And we have that responsibility uh, to do so. So I'm, uh, I, I think there's a greater awakening of it, uh, a greater awakening to stand up to it. And I think that's very important. Uh, but we have a ways to go here. Uh, big way. The tra- we have a long way to go. And, of course, uh, the tragedy that we're seeing, uh, the, the violence and uh, murder and the bombing against Israelis, and, of course, the violence against Palestinians uh, concerns all of us. But let's remember who's responsible for it. It's Hamas. And that's the point. They're the ones who created this situation that threatens and, in fact, kills Palestinian, their own, the Palestinian community as it does the Israeli community. And it's very important that Hamas be held accountable and be crushed. There is no compromise. There can be no compromise on that point. Right. And, and they're saying, Hamas, that they just want to fight constantly oh, sure. with Israel. Right. They, that That's right. And, and, and they, every and they, day. They put, and they put their own people in the line of fire. They hide behind it. They, they base their military operations in hospitals, in schools. They, in fact, they show no respect or commitment or concern for the well-being of the Palestinian people. And Israel historically has always been much more focused on protecting not just Israelis, but also Palestinian life. And Hamas has shown no regard for it. Do you feel at all optimistic? We're in for a long struggle. That's what Much the way the United like. States was against al-Qaeda. We were in a long struggle against al-Qaeda, too. We ultimately succeeded in terms of weakening and dismantling al-Qaeda and standing up to ISIS. We have a long battle here for And let's be clear, the battle against Hamas is not just Israel's battle. It has to be a world battle. In the same way, standing up to Putin in Ukraine is the same kind of mission. 
because we're standing up to uh, unprecedented aggression. We're standing up to evil. And if we don't stop it now, it finds its way, to, it spreads, and it finds its way to our shores. Everyone knows Vladimir Putin is not stopping in Ukraine. This is the largest invasion of our Eastern European country since World War II. And we know he's going to try to move beyond Ukraine. We've got to make it clear that's not acceptable. The fate of the free world in Eastern Europe and Western Europe is on the line. In the same way, we have to stand up to terrorism uh, that Hamas represents, the evil they represent, because they're not going to stop just in Israel. They're committed to the death and destruction of the Jewish community. And that's why we've got to speak up. And we see members of Congress, uh, like members of the squad, justify uh, the anti-Semitic behavior and anti-Semitism or advocate the destruction of the state of Israel. We have to call them out for enabling terrorists and holding them accountable for it. Who's going to be the leader who's going to stand in front of the pack trying to get this word out? Oh, I think you're seeing many people come up and speak nobly, speak sincerely, and really help lead the way. And I've been very, I think, President Biden and Secretary Blinken have been really heroic in their work. I was very impressed that even Donald Trump's ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, praised President Biden for his leadership on this, on how he addressed the the Israeli crisis. Yeah. Uh, And certainly uh, Mitch McConnell has praised President Biden for standing up to Vladimir Putin in Ukraine. Uh, And certainly Senator Schumer has been uh, heroic on this issue, as has, for that matter, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. So you're seeing um, both from Democratic leadership and you're seeing also from many Republicans in Congress the same commitment to stand together in opposition to what Vladimir Putin's doing, stand up to the evil of Hamas and what it represents. And so I think you see a strong bipartisan consensus building in our government, and I would hope that would lead to mobilizing people of all faiths and goodwill to stand up to hate in all its forms, whether it's the anti-Semitism we see, whether it's the hate against the Muslim community in our country, or the hate against so many other groups. Um, Because let me tell you, if one group is impacted by hate, we're all impacted. It never stops at one or it never stops at one community. It impacts us all. Thank you, Robert Zimmerman. We'll talk to you again. Look forward to it. I'm Joan Hamburg. You've just been listening to Robert Zimmerman, who is a Democratic National Committeeman, and you've heard so many other things, a very important part of New York life and of the New York political scene. Stay tuned, everyone. We have lots more ahead. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC Radio.